Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. When you walk through the garden... Keep the devil. 
Hello, my name is Albert Lee Guillory and I'm the senator for the 24th district right here in beautiful Louisiana. Recently I made what many are referring to as a bold decision to switch my party affiliation to the Republican Party. I wanted to take a moment to explain why I chose to become a Republican and also to explain why I don't think it was a bold decision at all. It is the right decision, not only for me, but for all my brothers and sisters in the black community. You see, in recent history, the Democrat Party has created the illusion that their agenda and their policies are what's best for black people. Somehow it's been forgotten that the Republican Party was founded in 1854 as an abolitionist movement with one simple creed, that slavery is a violation of the rights of man. Frederick Douglass called Republicans the party of freedom and progress. And the first Republican president was Abraham Lincoln, the author of the Emancipation Proclamation. It was Republicans in Congress who authored the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, giving former slaves citizenship, voting rights, and due process of law. The Democrats, on the other hand, were the party of Jim Crow. It was Democrats who defended the rights of slave owners. It was the Republican President Dwight Eisenhower who championed the Civil Rights Act of 1957. But it was the Democrats in the Senate who filibustered the bill. You see, at the heart of liberalism is the idea that only a great and powerful big government can be the benefactor of social justice for all Americans. But the left is only concerned with one thing, control. And they disguise this control as charity. Programs such as welfare, food stamps, these programs aren't designed to lift black Americans out of poverty. They were always intended as a mechanism for politicians to control the black community. The idea that blacks, or anyone for that matter, need the government to get ahead in life is despicable. And even more important, this idea is a failure. Our communities are just as poor as they have always been. Our schools continue to fail children. Our prisons are filled with young black men who should be at home, being fathers. Our self-initiative and our self-reliance have been sacrificed in exchange for allegiance to our overseers who control us by making us dependent on them. Sometime I wonder if the word freedom is tossed around so frequently in our society that it has become a cliché. The idea of freedom is complex and it's all-encompassing. It's the idea that the economy must remain free of government persuasion. It's the idea that the press must operate without government intrusion. And it's the idea that the emails and phone records of Americans should remain free from government search and seizure. It's the idea that parents must be the decision makers in regards to their children's education, not some government bureaucrat. But most importantly, it is the idea that the individual must be free to pursue his or her own habits, free from government dependence and free from government control. Because to be truly free is to be reliant on no one other than the author of our destiny. These are the ideas at the core of the Republican Party, and it is why I am a Republican. So my brothers and sisters of the American community, please join with me today in abandoning the government plantation and the party of disappointment, so that we may all echo the words of one Republican leader 
who famously said, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Indeed. Well said. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Today's date is Monday, July 2nd, 2018. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. And I am your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. You know, Representative um, Gilroy, out of the great state of Louisiana, could not have stated it better as to why I am a Republican. I mean, he hit the nail on the head. And I find it particularly interesting that so many blacks are... Democrat and oppose everything that Republicanism, conservatism stands for. And I have to chuckle at times when I when I confront or engage in conversation with my black brothers and sisters and we discuss politics and social issues and they'll often say to me you don't know your history you got to learn your history (laughs) and I have to chuckle because yeah it's because I know my history that I'm a Republican I have a friend who told one of her sisters that you know Dr. Jones is a is a Republican. He's a conservative. And the young lady's sister replied, doesn't he know he's black? <laughs> doesn't he know he's black? Well, yes, I do. And that's why it's partly why I am a Republican. But before we go deeper into why I'm a Republican, why I am a Lincoln Republican, like Frederick Douglass himself, the first, the very first counselor to the president was Frederick Douglass. And Frederick Douglass was a Republican, and he believed in Blacks, former slaves, standing on their own two feet and not asking for help from the government. He advocated in a a very famous speech that we should be left alone to stand on our own two feet. Now, Frederick Douglass, a former slave, fugitive slave, with no formal schooling, rose as high as any black man could go at the time, higher 
to become counselor to President Lincoln. They don't come any blacker. Am I black enough for you? Yeah. He, he, he's the blackest man on the face of the earth. But today, if Frederick Douglass were walking the streets, New York City, Chicago, Kansas, Atlanta, Miami, he'd be labeled a sellout. And an Uncle Tom, which is hilarious and pathetic in itself, But, you know, earlier today, after I had already put this show together, I received a a question in Messenger on on Facebook from a good friend of mine, Michael. And Michael asked, what is it about blacks and white privilege? Where did this come from? Suddenly, we have... Blacks and whites, but mostly blacks, talking about white privilege. And so I thought about that, and I decided, you know, why don't we go ahead and look into this? Because I've actually heard someone white standing next to his black friend using the word white privilege and the black guy nodding his head. And I couldn't understand it. I, I, I don't understand what white privilege is. So I decided to look into it. Now, there there, there are so many answers. Um, where did, Where and when did white privilege originate? So many answers, so many different definitions of white privilege, and none of them correctly... Answer the the question. The term first first the term white privilege was coined by Peggy McIntosh, who is white by the way, a feminist activist and associate director of the Wellesley Centers for Women at Wellesley College. She first she first used the term in a 1988 opinion piece that sought to explore the con- and conceptualize how society is systematically dominated by what she perceived as a white male power structure. So the opinion piece was as much a way to explore gender issues from a feminist perspective as well as race. In fact, in her work, she extrapolates the notion of white privilege from male privilege. Hmm. Notice the word opinion in the word opinion piece. In her work, she doesn't offer any empirical definition of white privilege. Because, you know, they never do. They never do. You, if, I, if I asked a black person, well, give me a definition of white privilege. What does that mean? How is a white per- person more privileged than you are, and how do they exercise that privilege? I, I get no, I get no answer. I get no direct answer as to how that works. So I let it go because, like my guy Mike. I receive 
similar responses, such as, you just don't understand. And then I'll say, well, help me understand. What is it that I'm not understanding? Help me to understand. But they can't. And they'll go off into some other area and never fully you know, provide a coherent answer, as, as is the case when, when liberals talk about anything. You know, really, they, they rarely ever answer the question. Yeah, because there is no real answer because they just I, – I don't know. But anyway, back to what we were talking about, what I'm talking about. All right, so r- rather than propose how certain beliefs and perceptions she ascribes to whites themselves create the notion of privilege at the expense of non-whites. What privilege, though? I need some examples. What privilege does a white person enjoy that I don't? The call in number is 646-668-8678. And you're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. So we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come right back, and we're going to Ask the question, and then we'll get into why I am a Republican and why you should be too, especially if you're black. We'll be right back. This is the Dr. C. Robert Jones Conservative Report, weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on the WAU Radio Network. This is the Dr. C. Robert Jones Conservative Report, weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on the WAU Radio Network. People born to those who pledge their lives in sacred honor were smiled upon by God and freed from chains and iron collar. He is held aloft on unity and by history revered For preserving peace through strength his wings now reach across two hundred years But for each of those in one year more God has smiled upon the core From the Barbary coast to the eastern sand By sword, by gun, or by bare hand So it's been and shall be weighed Though many are born, few are made Faithful always they shall remain Dogs to loose when war is waged internet radio for any number of reasons. Among the reasons are perhaps they're tired of the pasteurized homogenized news that they get from their TV. Or some may want their talk radio a little more raw. Well, that's what you get with internet talk radio. Real people with real opinions 
that give you real conversation. It's not just daddy's talk radio. And it's for people who stay informed and a great way to share ideas and debate issues. Well, let's just say that Internet Talk Radio hosts don't sit in front of the makeup mirror before they go on the air. Internet Talk Radio is a fast-growing new media that allows folks to get around the dinosaur media. We Are America United is a network of patriotic radio hosts bringing you honest discussion and discourse that will keep you riveted all day. Check out radio.waaumedia.com. All right, welcome back to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones, Ph.D. All right. Um, okay, so in, uh, in in her writing, and we're talking about Miss McIntosh here from Wellesley. In her writing, Miss McIntosh uses an analogy called the invisible knapsack to, to illustrate her perception of what white privilege is. For example, and I quote, in developing this conception… McIntosh described white privilege as, quote, an invisible, weightless knapsack of assurances, tools, maps, guides, code books, passports, visas, clothes, compass, emergency gear, and blank checks, end quote. Observing that her male colleagues did not recognize their supposed privilege as men, McIntosh resolved to try to uncover the contents of her own, quote, invisible knapsack, end quote. Her own unacknowledged privileges as a white person. In her essay, McIntosh lists 50 of these tacit advantages drawing from everyday experiences everyday experiences such as i can go shopping most of the time pretty well assured that i will not be followed and harassed well miss mcintosh guess what honey so can i all right but let's go on this advantage was not earned by mcintosh it is not present for non-white minorities and would go unrecognized by Macintosh if she had not engaged in her introspective endeavor. After this analysis of white privilege, Macintosh goes on to note that such examples of unacknowledged, unearned privilege can be observed in, quote, advantage systems, end quote. In society, including heterosexual privilege, age advantage, and ethnic advantage. So basically, Ms. McIntosh infers white privilege from a series of perceived advantages based on what she assumes are the inherent belief structures of an entire class of people. Said advantages are enjoyed by these people by virtue of their whiteness. Hmm. Well... There's a lot of that, a lot of a lot going on here. Well, I believe that Miss McIntosh's work is an interesting piece that can serve as food for thought when we examine our own belief structures, much the way philosophy does. Miss McIntosh, however, doesn't offer her work as hard proof of anything. They they rarely ever do, folks. 
She's merely offering an interesting and well-thought-out perspective as she submits as something to consider. As of late, the term white privilege has come into vogue, no doubt. I'm sure many of you out there in internet radio land have heard the term white privilege. But it's come into vogue mainly with the pseudo-intellectual class as a solid and defined concept that has no solid definition. And the reason why it doesn't have a solid definition is because nobody can really explain what it is. Usually, as I stated earlier, I met with, man, you just don't understand. You need to learn your history. All right. So... I can't define it. Can you? And the concept usually is reduced to the old phrase, I can't define it, but I know what it is when I see it. Have you heard that one? This hardly bodes well for reasoned and honest discussion. The term is also exploited to challenge the role that hard work and personal mediocrity play. And to a large extent, explain away personal responsibility in exchange for that idea that it is a rather it, that, that it is rather some racial caste system that determines outcomes. I believe that the purveyors of this school of thought, mainly white liberals, because the first time I heard it, I heard it from a white liberal play on the very real sense of unfairness and injustice that some minorities feel, mainly black folks. And they use it for cheap political gain. This is evidence in the intellectually dishonest arguments that seem to belie an interest in promoting their version of what white privilege is. So once again, folks, we have another one of those words that have no meaning or phrases that have no meaning. For example, it is what it is. I mean, what does that really mean? It is what it is. Nobody can tell you that. They can give you a, a, a real answer for it. So white privilege is has no definition, but most white people and black folks will say, I know it when I see it. And sometimes they'll even give a, an example such as I can go, you know, when I'm standing in an elevator, I don't have to worry about clutching my purse or, or standing next to someone and they're clutching their purse or, you know, that usual thing where I can walk down the street and I don't have to worry about this or I don't have to worry about that. You know, I don't have to worry about being pulled over by the cops and, you know, that kind of stuff. Hmm. Is it a privilege to be white? Hell, I don't think so. I know a lot of white people. I certainly wouldn't want to be them. Well, I don't want to get too too far into this because I'd like to, you know, get on with the other topics. But you know, kind of like you know why I'm a Republican. But. Uh, it's an interesting – it's something 
it's something to really think about, right? Because you hear it all the time. I mean, it's 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 it's. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, back in the early 2000s, it is what it is. Just magically appeared. And I, I never, I, I never understood understood that. It's never what it is, what it is. It's what I decided it's going to be. That's my mindset. But when that came up, it was like all of a sudden, like where where did that come from? But now it's white privilege, and we know where it's come, where, where that came from. Now we know how that originated from a white person. And many would have thought. It would have been a concept that Al Sharpton might have thrown out there. Jesse Jackson. Is Jesse even still alive? I haven't heard from him lately. Hmm. Is Al still alive? I haven't heard from him at all. Have you heard from Al Sharpton? Anybody? Are they even still breathing? Somebody needs to check. Because you would think that Al and Jesse and the usual suspects, I guess Cory Booker's taking over. But you think that they'd be out there yelling white privilege, white privilege, white privilege, but they're not. I haven't heard him. I haven't heard from them at all. I guess they're just getting too old, and they're just kind of chilling with all that money they stole. You know, the left has a misconception that inequality is bad. Look, when it actually, when it's actually good or fair. This is not to say that there isn't unfairness, but it's not necessarily because people are white or black, but because humans make mistakes or perversely get things right. The irony is this is a situation in which the left are wrong. The irony is that they profess to be repugnant to racism, but here we have a case of the left extolling racism towards whites or males. The reason why they run off in a ditch is because they really don't... because reality doesn't reward contradictions. Their mystic premise that inequality is intrinsically bad, thus all cases of inequality or difference have to be corrected or repudiated. And that's clearly led them into an ideological jungle, if you will. Conservatives are just ambiguous enough to fall over, giving the brazen leftists considerable confidence to hang themselves, while libertarians look on as the real minority in this political extortion racket. Markets exist because of inequality. Ever think about that? People trade because of inequality. Wealth is created because of inequality. The left persists in a state of confusion, conflating inequality with destitution. They're very different dispositions. But I'm feeling that I, you know, we're getting into the lecture mode, which I really don't want to do right now. But you understand how we're, we're not, you know, unfortunately, 
We're not all created equal. I mean, it's politically incorrect to say that we, I mean, I understand that, you know, the Constitution reads that, you know, we're all created equal, endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. And yes, and that, was, that part is true. We are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. But the created equal part, in terms of, well, at least in terms of genetics, I mean, chances are you get two smart people together, they make a baby, they're probably going to make a pretty smart baby. You get two jackasses, two dumbasses together, they're going to make a moron. It happens a lot. I've seen it. Some of my own family. I, I mean, how do you make everyone equal? It's it, 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 it's not even part of it's not even natural it's not even part of nature that we are all equal because if we were all equal I could run as fast as Usain Bolt if we were all equal I could be uh, my favorite quarterback Drew Brees I could throw the ball just as as well as him right if we were all equal. Physically, mentally, we can't all be equal. It just isn't. It, no, I don't even want to have the question anymore. Have the. All right. Here's an article from. Um, I'm going to take from an article uh, called "I Am a Lincoln Republican," uh, published uh, November 14, 2009, in the American Thinker. Okay. But. Before we do that, I'm going to do this. I'm going to play this, and I'd like for you to listen to it. It's called The History of the Republican Party. And once we're done with that, we're going to get into this article on the American Thinker. If you got a few minutes, go ahead and pull it up if you can find it. It's called I Am a Lincoln Republican, and then follow along with me. In the meantime, well, enjoy this. It's very, very informative. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me. Dr. C. Robert Jones. Hey, Kim. Hi, David. So with the Republican National Convention coming up in just a couple of weeks as we're recording this, you thought it would be like a really good idea to sit down and examine the history of the Republican Party. So what's, what's going on in the country in 1854 that leads to this party forming? Well, there are growing discussions over slavery and right. whether slavery should expand to the West. Now, all throughout the 19th century, the citizens of the United States had been kind of compromising on the issue of slavery. First, they had a line between North and South, said only slave states could be below this line. Now, the Kansas-Nebraska Act overturns that compromise. The Kansas-Nebraska Act, which says that the citizens of a territory, when applying for statehood, can themselves decide whether or not that state should have slavery. So even though Kansas and Nebraska are north of this parallel in Missouri, above which slavery couldn't exist, this new law kind of overturns that, that agreement? Exactly. So a number of U.S. citizens who are anti-slavery, which means that they don't want slavery to spread into Western territories, mainly because they want those territories free for white farmers to not have to compete with wealthy slaveholders who have free labor to farm and ship their goods and sell their crops. 
What about people that hate slavery and think it's immoral and want to abolish it? Those people are called abolitionists. Oh, that's a convenient name. Yes, and the abolitionists, really, before the 1850s, they were kind of considered the lunatic fringe. Only those sorts of people would imagine that you would want to end slavery right now everywhere that exists in the United States. So they don't want to just not have slavery out in the West. They want slavery to be ended where it exists already in the South. Right. So those who believed in abolition, those who believed in anti-slavery, went to a new party, the Republican Party. So even uh, in within the Republican Party, abolitionism was still on the the fringe of the party plank? Yeah, I would say so. So the new Republican Party, which really comes out to an extremely strong start, they run their first candidate in 1856. He gets second place in the national election, which Not is bad. amazing. Uh, but their second candidate for president is Abraham Lincoln. And Lincoln himself is actually kind of considered a moderate uh, because... He is anti-slavery. He's not an abolitionist. Okay. But nonetheless, the South perceives Lincoln to be an abolitionist, and white Southerners revolt and start the Civil War. So because he's perceived as an abolitionist because he is a Republican, that's why South Okay, wait, 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 wait. Hold on right there. Okay, so white Southerners... Um, Democrats. I mean, they're not stating it right here, right now, but white Southerners, we're talking about Democrats. And they're the ones that have um, fought against the abolishment of slavery. So, I guess if we were going to go ahead and continue on and uh, and talk about the uh, you know and, and continue on with the with, with the uh, with the audio here, we learn that the Southern Democrats were the party of slavery. So if Lincoln and abolitionists were the party of the Republican Party and white Southern Democrats were the party of slavery. How did we get from most black people being uh, uh, subscribing to the Democrat Party rather than the Republican Party? Or well, here's my take on it. The Republican Party advocates that each of us stands on our own two feet and that we stand and fall on our own and that we find our way in the world and here in the United States specifically on our own. That you shouldn't expect the United States government to take care of you. Not even to look out for you. Not even to care about you. That is not the job of the government to care about you. And so by taking that stance, what's happened is Democrats, liberals have seized on that and said, well, you see, the Republican Party believes that you should stand on your own, that you should survive and thrive or fail on your own merit. 
But then Democrats will say that, but you know you've been oppressed for 400 years. When is it ever going to be 500 years? I mean, it's been a while, hasn't it? But you've been oppressed for so long. You've been unable to to come up like George and Wheezy. You couldn't you you because they've kept you down. We've kept you down. And so you poor black people, you don't have the tools to make it in this world. But guess what? We Democrats, we liberals, we're here to save you. We're going to help you to help yourselves. And black people are all into that. Yeah, help me. Never mind that, you know, I'm 56 years old, and I'm so far removed from slavery that in order for me to really understand it, I got to go to the history books. I mean, I don't know what it means to be a slave, at least in terms of um, – certainly in terms of, you know uh, – Back in the the seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds, I don't I don't I don't know about that. I live a life that my ancestors from back then can only dream of. But somehow, white people believe, or or they'll 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 lead other blacks to believe that the Republican Party is the party of racism. Because the Republican Party advocates to each his own, live by your own merit, work hard, do your own thing. Don't count on the government to take care of you. Don't count on anybody to take care of you but you. And you know what? My great-grandfather and my grandfather, they were all about that. They didn't want handouts from the government. They didn't want to be taken care of. Hell, my grandfather never even took out a loan. If he couldn't pay for it with cash, he did without. I can't even imagine my grandfather, certainly my great-grandfather, saying, hey, give me. With their, come, come, they show up with their hand out asking for something, for nothing, something for free from the government or from anybody. But today's blacks, they love getting something for free because they believe that they're owed something for free. They're owed something for nothing, something for free because their great-great-grandfather suffered through slavery. And so because their great-great or their great-grandfather suffered through slavery, or their great-great-grandfather, depending on how old you are, then they got their hand out. And you know what? I wonder I wonder what their grandfathers or great-grandfathers would think about that. Because here I am. It, it, let's say I have, I, have, I have four children, all right? So I suffer in, in, at the injustice of the American system. I die off. My children's children grow up and say, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. 
because you oppressed my great-grandfather or my grandfather. So you oppressed my grandfather, so gimme, 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 gimme. It makes no sense. (laughs) It makes no sense whatsoever. So I, I, I... you know what I want to do right here and now? Uh, well, not right now, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there. I'm gonna in just a co- in just a couple of minutes. I'm gonna play Frederick Douglass's speech entitled "What a Black Man Wants." And for me, that says it all. It's what being a Republican about is all about. It's what being an American is all about. Standing on your own two feet. And if I can't stand, let me fall. The blacks have become so needy and, and drank the drank the liberal Kool-Aid when whites and other blacks say, you have been oppressed. Elect me, pay me, help me to get into power, and then I will help you. And then once they do, they don't do anything. They'll throw out some a, a few dollars here and there. Maybe a, a program or something that gives you barely anything at all. But then they'll point to it come election time and say, look, I gave you this and I gave you that. Never mind that what they were passing out was virtually meaningless and wasn't helping at all. Never mind that $150 in food stamps. Uh, 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 one of those little debit cards with, with a little cash on it, or some some program that a lot of blacks don't even take advantage of anyway. But they can, but Democrats can point to it, liberals can point to it, and say, "Look at what we're doing for you. Get on in the voting booth. Keep me earning my hundred and fifty $170,000 salary and all the perks that come with it and I'll give you a couple of hundred dollars a month. I'll make sure you get that 250 a month or that $300 a month and this meaningless program that's not going to help you one single bit and I'll make all kinds of promises to you but you just keep coming back to that voting booth. Keep pulling that lever for my name because while you're suffering and living below poverty, I got my $170,000 salary. I've got my $170,000, my limos, my government vehicles, all the government perks I can I can I can use. I got all of that. But you know what? It's not really for me. It's for me to help you. All right, so let's go ahead and listen to Frederick Douglass. Because you know what? Once again, just like Representative Gilroy from the great state of Louisiana, Frederick had it right. Every single black man, every black boy coming up right here and now should listen to this speech. Black men, 
teach your sons. Let, get, put this out there for them. Let them read it. Let them hear it. Because this is what it's all about. Standing on your own two feet. Don't ask the government to help you. Don't ask the government to give you anything. Tell the government to go to hell. Get away. Get away. Let me do my own thing without your interference, without your help. Because what the government can give, the government can take away. Tell them about it, Fred. I ask my friends who are apologizing for not insisting upon this right, where can the black man look in this country for the assertion of his right if he may not look to the Massachusetts Anti-Slavery Society? Where, under the whole heavens, can he look for sympathy in asserting this right if he may not look to this platform? Have you lifted us up to a certain height to see that we are men and then are any disposed to leave us there without seeing that we are put in possession of all our rights? We look naturally to this platform for the assertion of all our rights and for this one especially. I understand the anti-slavery societies of this country to be based on two principles. First, the freedom of the blacks of this country. And second, the elevation of them. Let me not be misunderstood here. I am not asking for sympathy at the hands of abolitionists, sympathy at the hands of any. I think the American people are disposed often to be generous rather than just. I look over this country at the present time and I see educational societies, sanitary commissions, freedmen's associations and the like, all very good. But in regard to people of color in this land, there has always been more that is benevolent, I perceive, than just manifested toward us. What I ask for the black man is not benevolence, not pity, not sympathy, but simply justice. The American people have always been anxious to know what they shall do with us. Everybody has asked the question and learned to ask it early of the abolitionists. What shall we do with the black man? I have had but one answer from the beginning. Do nothing with us. Your doing with us has already played the mischief with us. Do nothing with us. If the apple will not remain on the tree of their own strength, if they are worm-eaten at the core, if they are early ripe and disposed to fall, then let them fall. I'm not for tying or fastening them on the tree in any way except by nature's plan. And if they will not stay there, then let them fall. If the black man cannot stand on his own legs, then let him fall also. All I ask is, give him a chance to stand on his own legs. Let him alone. If you see him on his way to school, let him alone. Don't disturb him. 
If you see him going to the dinner table at a hotel, then let him go. If you see him going to the ballot box, then let him alone. Don't disturb him. If you see him going into a workshop, just let him alone. Your interference is doing him a positive injury. Let him fall if he cannot stand alone. If the black man cannot live by the line of eternal justice, the fault will not be yours. It will be his who made the black man and established that line for his government. Let him live or die by that. If you will only untie his hands and give him a chance, I think he will live. He will work as readily for himself as the white man. Now a great many delusions have been swept away by this war. One was that the black man would not work. He has proved his ability to work. Another was that the black man would not fight, that he possessed only the most cheapest attributes of humanity, was a perfect lamb or an Uncle Tom, disposed to take off his coat whenever required, fold his hands and be whipped by anybody who wanted to whip him. But this war... This war has proved that there is a great deal of human nature in that black man. And that yes, he will fight. Wow. I don't think I could have said it better myself. Certainly I could not. I mean, who could, really? I mean, does that say it all for you? This is what? Black pride? Or just plain pride should be about? Let us stand on our own two feet. Let us stand. Or fall. I was not raised to believe that the government owed me anything, that America owed me anything other than to be left alone. And it hurts. It hurts my heart when I listen to black people talk about how the government how America owes them those who have suffered no lashes no discrimination certainly not of the kind that was suffered back in the 17 and 1800s by our ancestors it hurts and it's sad but this is what it's come to And it's only getting worse because now we have the socialist movement taking hold where folks all over, black and white, and every other ethnicity expecting something for 
nothing, something for free. And we'll talk about that more over the over the next couple of days. You've been listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We're out. Bye, folks. And, uh, well, not bye yet. It'll be bye in just a minute. But we'll see you. Stay tuned. Come back tomorrow. Join in. Let's talk about all the craziness going on in America today. Thank you so much for listening. And good night.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.